Well, hello and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry and we are here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount and today we come to this this section that I think most people forget about when they think about the Sermon on the Mount and it's Jesus Um, Again, before he goes into the law, he sort of sets up this whole conversation by saying, I didn't come to actually abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. And I actually think that a lot of people, that that probably, that statement would probably catch him by surprise. I think a lot of people think that when they think of the law, if if they're familiar at all with the Bible, if they're familiar at all with Christianity, if they're familiar at all with with sort of anything that we're talking about, they tend to associate the law with the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. grace with the New Testament, grace with Jesus, as if Jesus sort of got rid of the law and we don't have to do it anymore, right? right? But Jesus is very clear here. He says, I do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. And oh, by the way, what he's talking about there when he says the law and the prophets, he's talking about like the Old Testament. Right. Okay. So he's talking about like the entire Old Testament, essentially. Um, I've not come to abolish the Old Testament. I've come to fulfill it. And I say to you that until heaven and earth pass away, not in not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished or all is fulfilled. Now, when, when Jesus talks about fulfilling the law, what's he talking about there, Robbie? Well, I think I heard a pastor once say that in the Old Testament, Jesus is concealed, mm-hmm. and in the New Testament, Jesus is revealed. Yeah, right. And so I try to put myself in the first century when I'm thinking about this. I mean, they have... I mean, the Hebrews call it the, the Tanakh, right? Like yeah. the, mm-hmm. the law. Like this is mm-hmm. this is big time mm-hmm. for them. And to suggest that here here's a guy coming along who's saying, you've heard it was said, mm-hmm. but I say. I mean, right. their, their comments about Jesus are, you know, he speaks with such authority and mm-hmm. who is this man? I mean, these right. are their, their questions because this has just been a fundamental text in their culture for so long. And I, I think two things when you're when you're talking about this for the Jews hearing this, they're probably going, "Wait a sec!" Right? Like, because it sounds like you are trying to erase right. the law. Right. But for people who don't know this, I think when you say, "What did Jesus come to do?" I think a lot of people's first reaction is, "Well, to give us laws, right? To live by." Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so, depending new on laws, your background, not not old laws, not like laws yeah. governing shellfish, but yeah, like like new laws, right? Like, hey. You know, don't yeah, don't go to rated R movies and don't curse and you know, some of the <laughs> Here things we, we were talking yeah. about a couple times yeah. ago, right? Yeah, people think that Jesus yeah. has come to restrict life mm-hmm. yeah. and to put these boundaries up so that you can be judged as good or moral or something like that. Right. If they haven't heard of him, and those who for whom the Old Testament, this the the law and the prophets were held in such esteem, there's probably a fear mm. that he's erasing some of the stuff that they held as sacred right. writings. Well, I would think especially when it, you were coming off of the Beatitudes. I mean, mm. he's like we've talked about, he's flipping everything that they think they know upside down and onto yeah. its head, right? And so, you know, Moses very clearly, uh, I think we said this all the way back at the very first episode that we talked about how the Sermon on the Mount is intentionally on the Mount, because yeah. Jesus is posturing himself as a new Moses, right? Mm. So this is for, the, for again, his listeners, right? His disciples who are sitting there listening. They're immediately thinking back to Mount Sinai. They're thinking about Moses. They're thinking about Moses giving them the law. And That's Moses is their of. guy. And, oh, man, like, Moses is their guy. That's yeah. exactly right, and, and rightfully so on some level, right? Yeah. And now here Jesus is up a mountain delivering 
a lot of the same messages, but just in a different way. And so when he says things like, like Moses said, hey, follow the commands of God and you will be blessed. Mm -hmm. And now Jesus is saying, blessed are you who mourn and are poor in spirit and like all these things. And they're going, no, 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 that's that's not what Moses, that like sounds like the opposite of what Moses says. It sounds Jesus like you're telling us that those who are cursed by Moses are actually the blessed ones. And those who are the blessed ones by Moses are actually the ones who are cursed. Like that's what it sounds like. Right. And so, and and so as Jesus sort of makes his way through the sermon, he has to almost give this like disclaimer, Mm -hmm. which is not really a disclaimer. It's a key part of the sermon, which is to say, look, I know he can probably sense the tension in them. He can probably sense the anxiety in them. And he says, look, I, I know what you're thinking. I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I didn't come to get rid of Moses. Yeah. I am the one to whom Moses was pointing to. I am the yeah. one that the, all of this was headed towards. Like I'm the, I'm the telos or I'm the end, I'm the goal of the law. I'm actually yeah. the thing that the law points to and I've come to fulfill it. I've come to, to accomplish it. Now, when you think about the law, you do, you do have to, you do have to remember some things because there's some category mistakes that people make when they think about the law of God. Okay. They think about the 613 Levitical laws, or, mm-hmm. you know, all the different laws governing like clothing and, you know, what you eat and what you wear and how you worship and all of those kinds of things. Like in order to understand all of that, you have to understand that they, all of those laws did not serve all the same purposes. Right. There, the, the law of God in the old Testament is grouped roughly into three categories. Right there is the ceremonial law that governs mm-hmm. worship. So all the sacrifices, all of that stuff, right, is is the ceremonial law. It governs the worshiping life of Israel. And in the New Testament, especially in the Book of Hebrews, it's very clear that Jesus came to fulfill all of that. Correct. He's the perfect sacrifice, so we don't have to sacrifice anymore. Like all of that, right? Uh-huh. He's the high priest who enters into the most holy place, so we don't have to do that anymore, right? So in that sense, he didn't get rid of it; he fulfilled it. Okay. So therefore, we don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Because he actually serves all those purposes for us. So it's not that it's not happening; it is happening in heaven all the time because right. Jesus serves all of those functions and roles, and so. So you have to understand that. Then there is the civil law. Uh-huh. Those are all the laws governing sort of the national life of Israel. I mean, had laws regarding justice and poverty and, you know, first century culture or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. Those things had to do with national Israel. We don't live in national Israel. Right. It doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it exists in some form, obviously, in what we know in the, country, know in the yeah. modern day yes. form of, of Israel. But even that is not the same as the theocracy that Israel lived under, right? Yeah. So, so, so the civil laws no longer apply to us. Okay, doesn't mean that Jesus got rid of them. It just means that we live in a different civil society with different sets of civil laws, just different. Okay, yeah. So you got the ceremonial law that Jesus fulfilled. You got the civil law that He set aside because we no longer live in national Israel. Then you have the moral law, and the moral law is still in effect. Hmm. And that's actually what He's going to unpack the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is essentially the moral law. So laws regarding anger, murder, adultery, stealing, lying, deception, like all of that kind of stuff embedded in what he's going to talk about in the rest of this sermon. So he's really wanting his disciples to understand, again, all of that's running in the background of the disciples' heads. Yeah. Right? And unless you understand that, like that's the categories, those are the categories that they are thinking in. And unless you understand that, it's really hard to get at what is 
you know, what is Jesus talking about here? You mean that he says he doesn't come to abolish the law, Robbie. That means we shouldn't eat shrimp. Right. Do you, you think know? some of the disciples are like, please, 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 please? <laughs> well, like, no, on, because what? they don't even know what it tastes like. <laughs> That's right. Right? I mean, these guys... Come on, they know. had to have smelled bacon. <laughs> they had to. Walking through the Gentile right? camp, right? they got to be, seriously, yeah. They Jesus, see all those pigs on the, off on the Decapolis, of and they're like, oh, right. dang. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that's not what, that's not what's going on here. Right. That's the point, right. I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say is that Jesus is saying, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill the purpose of the law and the prophets, which was to point you forward to the day that Messiah would come. And again, the kingdom of God would come onto the earth. Now that's a very different way of understanding the nature of the relationship between the law and Jesus. As mm-hmm. you said, I think a lot of people think Jesus came to give us a whole new set of laws to follow. Right. And um, that's why we often say in the Christian tradition, hey, it's not about rules. It's about relationship. Yeah. Because we have to remind people, no, 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 what's most important, the reason why Jesus came is to have a relationship with you. And because when you have this relationship with him, there's this sort of natural desire that begins to become awakened in your heart. You want to serve him. Mm-hmm. You want to follow him. You want to submit your life to him. And so like following the rules, so to speak. It's not that there aren't rules, but following the rules becomes this like natural outgrowth of a saving faith. Yes. You know, like there's rules regarding governing my marriage. Right. Right. I don't like white knuckle those. I don't like force myself to follow those rules. I, I do them because I love my wife. Right. Like they're natural outgrowth of my love for my wife. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so I think that's how you have to really think about it and process it because that's really how the disciples would have been processing it. No, no, no Jewish person that I'm aware of sort of looks at all 613 laws and says, yeah, they're all the same. Right. They, they all serve the same purpose. No, that, that, no that's nonsense. They don't. They, don't, they don't believe that. They, they can understand that, yeah, different laws serve different purposes and they were there for different reasons and, you know, these kinds of things. And they're able to parse those things out, just like we do with our own laws today. We mm-hmm. understand they're not all the same, right? Yeah, I think it's... It's difficult living in our culture on this side of the cross yeah. to, to truly grasp. I mean, as you're talking, I'm sitting here listening and, and thinking, what is it that we hold sacred in terms yeah. of like tradition? Right. That, because it sounds like a new CEO right. coming into an yeah. established company or, you know, somebody going, look, I know you've called them the Denver Broncos. Right. But henceforth, yes. we are going to be the ponies and our new colors are right. going to be burgundy and silver or something. Right, right. People can, that would, by the way, be the ugliest. No, you you. That can't. would make for the ugliest uniforms <laughs> right. ever or known to man. Or a CEO demand. that comes right. in and you go, look, here's the mission statement, and yeah. I know this is what you've been doing, right? Uh, but let me tell you what that actually means. Right. People go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So for Jesus to start mm-hmm. the Sermon on the Mount with these beatitudes, and then here's a little pause, right. and he goes, hey, hey, d- 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 yeah, calm down, I'm not right, relax. I'm not getting it's like Aaron Rodgers, relax. Just R E R E L A X. That's right. Yeah, and he he's. I just think it's fascinating because he caveats all of what he's about to say yeah. by going, look, this is, this is something that is in place. You just haven't seen it manifested yet. And right. I'm here to, to give flesh to sort of this abstract understanding you have. Right. I think of, I mean, as a kid, every time you would go to the doctor and the doctor was going to give you a shot and your dad would say something like, this is going to hurt me more than it's going right. to hurt you. Right. That makes no sense right. as a kid right. and until you become a dad or right. until you become a right. mom. And they're like, oh, yeah, right. Oh, I, I get what they were saying now. And it, right. I feel like what Jesus is about to embark on here is 
you you've heard things, but I don't think mm-hmm. you've totally understood them yet. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. You've heard. Yeah, that's a really good way that he's not changing it. Yeah, he is. He is helping them understand it. You you've heard some things, but you haven't fully grasped what's behind it. Yeah, you know, it's not just about not murdering someone. Right. These commands are meant to point to deeper levels of meaning in the human heart, you know, and that's why I have to admit, I get a little, I do get a little frustrated. I've got a couple of friends who, you know, they're, they're atheists or they're skeptics. And, you know, I mean, they come at me all the time with, you know, well, Doug, you know, I mean, you know, the old Testament, it says, uh, you know, you shouldn't, you know, mix, mix, mix clothing, yeah, it's always mix, the mix mixed fibers clothing. with your clothing. Therefore, how can you be pro-life when it comes to abortion? And I'm like, you, are you like honestly making the argument that a first century Jew would have understood, would not been able to make a distinction between human life and clothing? Right. You think they were that stupid? And yeah. honestly, they do on some level. Huh. Like I got one guy who's just, I mean, he's just honest about it. He's like, yeah, I think they were. He's like, they were flat earth people. Like they had no clue. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Like the chronological snobbery that you're engaging in here. Like, I mean, that's just nonsense, right? Yeah. I mean, like, and, and, to, and to think that that's somehow like a compelling, like, argument against faith, you know, yeah. that, oh, well, I mean, mixed fibers. You're, you're you know, like polyesters and helping anybody, bro? Yeah, that's their go-to. And I'm like, so you're not really wanting to have a serious conversation then. Yeah, because you don't be, want to Because believe. if you really want to have a serious conversation, like, you're actually reading the Bible more literally than I am. I actually told an atheist friend of mine that he, he, he's a great guy and he's very, very smart. And I actually love dialoguing with him because he really makes me think more mm-hmm. deeply about my faith. And so I actually really appreciate that about him. But occasionally he gets into these snarky moods where it's just not worth arguing with him. Yeah. Right? But, but I, I told him one time, I said, look, look man, you, you like read the Bible more literally than I do because you're not willing to take into any account like the cultural hermeneutics or anything behind it. Like you, you're just like reading it like... like just words on a page, and 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 that's what you're taking at face value. And you're 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 you think that that actually is a compelling argument. Like it's no, it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. And no one reads the Bible that way. No one does, except for maybe some really hyper fundamentalist, you know, Christians. Yeah. And 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 that's nonsense too, by the way. Yep. Right. I mean, the Bible was not written to us; it was written for us. But it's actually written to real people in real cultural situations with who already came to the table with cultural understandings in place. And so when Jesus makes a statement like he does in this passage today about, don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets, that meant something to the Jewish people. Yes, for sure. And and it carried deep, deep, deep fundamental meaning about covenantal life together with God. And, and, and so when, so it's really important that actually Jesus says this, because if he had said, I came to abolish the law and the prophets, that would have been it. It's over. Yeah, ministry it's over. done. Ministry's done. People would have just bailed. I'm out. Not interested. Right? Yeah. But Jesus was a rabbi. Right? People forget these things. Right? I mean, I've yeah. even heard people accuse Jesus of being anti-Semitic. And I, I think it's like, <laughs> wow. Like, you really don't understand he was Jewish. I love it when people say he was a Christian teacher. Right. Oh, my gosh. A Christian <laughs> like, teacher. It's like, no, no, no. What are you talking about? You know? Um or they talk Paul as anti-Semitic. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Paul Jewish, was right? Jewish. He was a Pharisee. Like, he was like a Shiite Jew. Right. Yes. Like, what are you talking about? Right. I mean, he's like the furthest thing from it, yeah. you know, and yet, 
again, it's because we're not doing the work of really trying to understand or see life from the perspective of the the people that are first hearing these words, you know, from Jesus. And so um, I, I think this is really critical that, that people understand that for the, for the Jewish people, this covenantal way of life that was fundamentally shaped by the law of God, this, this, this law that, that defined for you not just right and wrong, but what was real and what was not real, what was holy and what was not holy. Like, I mean, it, it governs everything. You want to talk about a worldview. It governs everything mm. for them. Yeah. And so it's critically important that Jesus fulfills that law, not abolishes it. And yet, even within that, it, they are able to make distinctions like, yeah, this is the ceremonial law governing worship, and yes, this is the civil law governing like how we do life together here in national Israel, and yes, this is the moral law. They were able to make those distinctions. Of course they were, because they're not dumb. Right. They're, I mean, you know, they, they are living, they're human beings living in society just like we are today, and they're able to make the, some of the same distinctions that we're able to make. And so then Jesus goes on, and he says, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. What does he mean by all? <laughs> I think he means when, when all of this is done, when heaven mm-hmm. comes back, and you can't see my hands joining together, but right. this, this idea of, I think people think of earth, and then sort of heaven's like another planet or something yes, like right. that. Up there, and, yeah, yeah, like yeah. out there somewhere. What he's saying right. when I'll fly when away. Heaven, right. <laughs> Hank Williams. Right. Uh, when heaven melds with earth mm-hmm. and things are brought back to shalom, right. back to wholeness and, and fullness, mm-hmm. there's this reassurance of like, no, no, no. The things you've heard before, they're not, they're not gone. They're not going That's anywhere. Right. I'm giving you a greater understanding. And until the day that heaven and earth remeld, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, not a single, I love the word iota, you know, yeah. not a single right. dot over the letter right. I basically right. is going <laughs> to be scratched from your books. Um, but, but you need a greater understanding of them until that day. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. It's, it's, it is, yeah, it is, it is really fascinating. I love that idea of melding together heaven and earth because I think it's C.S. Lewis who really talks about, or maybe it's N.T. Wright quoting C.S. Lewis. I, I'm not quite sure. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he talks about heaven and earth really as two dimensions mm-hmm. yeah. to life. It, both represent life in some form or fashion, and it's just two dimensions of life, Yeah, right? And so those dimensions at the beginning of time, there was no distinction. They were together. Yes. Sin ruptured the dimensions, right? And then Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, brings those back together. And, and one day he's coming again, and all things will be made new, meaning that heaven and earth will then permanently come back together, be melded to use the words that you're talking about there, yeah. which I think is exactly right. They'll, they'll come back together. They'll overlay one another. One will inform the other. There'll be no distinction between the two, right? And on that day, that's when we will no longer need the law. Yeah. Because we will live by the law, right? So we're not going to need it because our, the natural orientation of our hearts on that day <laughs> will be towards the law. And so we won't need it, yeah. you know? And so it's okay if, an, you know, in that way, like on some level, not one iota or dot will still be taken away from the law. We'll just be living it out, and so there won't be a need for it any longer. Right? That's a because good point. We'll be, you know, we didn't have the law at the beginning when we walked with God in the cool True. of the day in perfect relationship with Him, and we won't need the law at the end when you know God Himself is 
reigning and ruling and over all he has made. And, you know, the, the right. fact, the book of Revelation says we're not even going to have a son. We don't even need a son, yeah. right? Because the light of God's presence is, is sort of light enough on some level, life-giving enough on some level, right? And so that's, I think, what we're talking about here. We talk about all being accomplished, right? So you talk about this melding of heaven and earth, and we think, okay, in the Garden of Eden, that was happened. And certainly at the end of time, book of Revelation, Jesus returning, second coming. I think what people fail to grasp I think a lot of Christians fail to grasp. I think sometimes I fail to grasp, right? <laughs> the fullness of this is that when Jesus says that all have a, uh, has accomplished, that melding of heaven and earth, that began to take place on the cross. Right. Right? Yeah. And, and through his resurrection. Like his Jesus resurrection. Says, the kingdom of heaven correct, is here. Is here. And it's here in Christ. And so yeah. when he dies, it's like he reaches out for heaven, the dimension of heaven, and he reaches out for that dimension of earth. And he sort of pulls them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great right? illustration. And then, and then when he rises from the grave, like he is the first fruits of the new creation. Like he is the first living, breathing, bodily, physical manifestation of the new life that we one day will have and actually can begin to live into even this side of that new reality. Yeah. Right? So that's interesting because what he's about to launch into is this greater understanding of the moral law right? with the knowledge right. that there will be no need for it. That's right. Once all is accomplished, when he says it is finished That's right. on the cross, right. like, and it initiates this, this coming together again of heaven and earth. But the idea like, yeah, you've heard it said, do not murder, but right. let me tell you how it's going to be someday. Like you, right. right now, just even hatred in your heart's considered murder. Right. And when you think of heaven, when people talk about there's going to be no pain, there's going to be right. no sorrow, no suffering, well, if you just look around at earth, there is pain, sorrow, suffering, murder, hatred because of our fallen nature right, and try right. as we may right. to overcome those things. We can't because it's in us. So he knows that on that day, it's not that those things cease because there's going to be a, a whistle blown and everything's right, going to right, be like, right, right, okay, right. time out. You know, it's going right. to be a reorientation of our hearts. Exactly. Every intention of our heart will then be oriented towards God, towards yeah. the good. Whereas now every intention of our heart on some level is corrupt and oriented towards evil. Not that we're utterly depraved because we're not. We, there, we can do good things, but we are totally depraved in the sense that even the best of us is still got this corruption to it, still got this sort of selfishness to it yeah. or this, whatever it might be, right? It's, it's not pure. And because it's not pure, it, 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 it doesn't fulfill what Jesus is talking about here, right? right. Like in heaven, we're not going to have to like wake up and go, okay, don't get angry Try today. <laughs> don't get angry today, Put the Doug, murderous right? thoughts to death. Put those murderers... I mean, like, that's not going to be like... I mean, it just won't even occur to us. Yeah. Like, right? You know? And and and, and the same as you go through the rest of this. Like, I'm, I'm not going to have to like, you know, walk through heaven like guarding my eyes, yeah. you know, lest I lust against my brother or sister or something like yeah. that. I'm not going to have to do that. Like, that's not going to be... I won't even have the desire to look at someone in that particular way. Right. Right? Um, relationships. I, there's no need for divorce in heaven. Why? Because relationships are not going to be broken in heaven. Yeah. Like, these kinds of things. But but here, this this side of... This side of heaven and this side of that reality of those two realities coming together, yes, we do need the law to reorient our hearts, right? And so if you go back to like, you know, you've got three kinds of law, ceremonial, right. and then you've got, you know, uh, civic, and then you've got moral law. You also have, historically speaking, three purposes to the law of God, 
All right. Now these are different than the kinds of law. These are this is what this these is are what, what they reveal. What does the law do for us? Yeah. All right. Number one, the law points us to Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul is very clear about that in one of his letters. I think it's Galatians, where he talks about the law as like a tutor. Yeah. And it points us to Christ. It teaches us to Christ. It basically teaches us about our own helplessness. We're not able to fulfill the law, so we need someone else to do it. And so it points us to Christ. Right. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, it restrains evil. Okay. okay, it strain it, it, it restrains right. evil by okay. obedience to the law. Correct. Like like there's a sen- certain sense in like it, I know that if I break the law, there'll be consequences. Yeah, right. So it res- it has a restraining effect on us. It acts as a deterrent on some level, right? Yeah. And then the third one is it trains us in righteousness. It actually trains us to think in the categories that God wants us to think about. All right. Mm. And so what we're going to do is we'll put a pause there. We'll come back on the other side of this um, in our final episode of the season. And we'll talk through sort of the implications of those three sort of fundamental purposes to the law, because Jesus goes on to say that whoever relaxes one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but they still get into the kingdom of heaven, which I think is really interesting, Right. right? And whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So there is something to this law that's really, really important for us to understand. And it's probably cool. important for us to engage around the purposes uh, of that law as we're thinking our way through that. So thanks, as always, to our brother Jake, who is behind the glass making us sound good, and our brother Billy producing these podcasts week over week over week. Please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus. We'd love your comments, your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen, and uh, just encourage you to stay, stay tuned and stay subscribed as we release more episodes, or at least one more episode in the, in the weeks ahead, and we'll uh, talk to you next time.